Welcome to Mooncast. I am Ada Pembroke. And I'm Lauren from Tara and Chai. And today we're going to be talking about the new moon in Pisces for March 2022. So you want to jump into talking about the chart of the moment? Sure. So this new moon is a little interesting because we've got this, um, we've got a lot going on. (laughs) We've got these nice like clusters of planets going on. If you're looking at the chart of the moment, this is going to be for March 2nd at um, 11.34 a.m. That's central time. And if you want to kind of adjust that to your location, just take your time zone and adjust accordingly. Um, you'll want the um, the moon and the sun to be in the 10th house according to your location. So what I'm looking at is we've got these three teams of planets. We've got the sun, moon, Jupiter, and Neptune all in Pisces in the 10th house. We've got the um, Midheaven, Mercury, Saturn, all in Aquarius in the 9th, and Pluto, Mars, and Venus in Capricorn in the 8th. So it's kind of interesting because we've got all of these planets just, if we're looking at the zodiac kind of in order, where Aries is the beginning and Pisces at the end, it's shoved almost kind of towards the end of the zodiac. And so it's it feels like it's all over the place, but we've got this just really interesting concentration kind of all in that area. Yeah, we've got these clusters, but it's like we've got these this cluster of clusters. It's like um, all of the planets, it, if you look at the chart, it looks like all of the planets have like inhaled helium and are like rising up to the top of the chart. <laughs> And I mean, Jupiter's involved, so like we've we've got that you know definite kind of airiness going on there. So that might might be what happened. I, I can just imagine Jupiter and Neptune having an argument over who was going to bring the helium drugs. <laughs> yeah. So um, that um. Okay. And it's interesting because the chart of the moment has Gemini rising. So. Um, it has a really mercurial, like buzzy vibe in this chart. So the it, it, not only are the planets you know, rising to the top of the chart, like they've inhaled helium, they're talking as if they've inhaled helium as well, in a sense, that kind of chipmunk. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, Mercury, Mercury's pretty close. It's it's right on the, well, almost right on the midheaven there. Um, <clears throat> but... I think it's just kind of interesting because we have this huge influence of just almost, you've got these two really contrasting energies going on and Aquarius is just kind of almost stuck in the middle as you've got this really disconnected, dreamy, kind of convoluted feeling that you get with all this stuff happening in Pisces. And then you've got this very driven, um, more earth-oriented grounding energy over there in Capricorn. Um, and I say driven because Mars is over there kind of, you know, we have an interesting party going on over there. <laughs> <laughs> Putting it mildly. Yeah, for sure. It, Mars and, and Pluto together, you know, the 
the god of death and the god of war. I don't think that that surprises anybody at the moment, but can only imagine how badly things would be going if Venus, Venus, the planet of peace, wasn't in on that party as well. <laughs> yeah, if if not for that kind of raining things in, I think we would. Um... Yeah, I don't I don't know what kind of state things would be in right now, honestly. Absolutely. Yeah. I mean, just looking at the global situation right now, we've got we're recording this during the um, conflict between Russia and Ukraine, which has been going on for like the actual military action has been happening for a little less than a week. And um, so that Pluto, Mars, Venus thing definitely reflects that in my opinion you know war death but at the same time you know you can see venus there as everybody is rallying around ukraine more or less and you know all of the sanctions are are happening bringing in that saturnian vibe but um there's also this sense of solidarity and this sense that you know, there is less blaming big groups than I've seen during other conflicts. Like in the past, I would have expected to hear it being discussed as a a conflict between the Russians and the Ukrainians. And all of the press, at least that I've been hearing, has been emphasizing the fact that the vast majority of the people involved want peace, but they're kind of like Venus being dragged along into this conflict that they don't actually want. And it's a, a new way of talking about war, I think, which you know, kind of connects back to the fact that Venus is, or not Venus, Mercury is in Aquarius right now. I mean, Aquarius is the sign of the 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 rebel and the the innovator and we've got the planet of communication like being forward thinking and looking at this conflict from a detached position because it's in a a different sign than the pluto mars venus uh conjunction while also being involved because it's it's right there with the ruler of that sign. So it's like, because Mercury, you were just mentioning that there's um, this um, relationship between Pisces and Capricorn, uh, which astrologers call a a sextile. Um, And then Mercury and Saturn are kind of in the middle on their own in Aquarius. It's like that, that lack of involvement is giving them a bit of distance from the situation almost mm-hmm. an ability to comment from that um, rational objective Aquarian way of being in the world. And I also kind of find it interesting just bringing Mercury into things um, without spending too much more time on this. Um, we recently had it announced that even um, Switzerland was kind of uh, jumping into things, which, Mm -hmm. you know, historically they just haven't taken a stance on any of that and have remained largely neutral. But I think that 
Mercury in Aquarius is also very symbolic because you've got Mercury being about um, commerce and exchange and currency and that sort of thing. And with Aquarius being that kind of rebellious, innovative sign, um, they've decided to help kind of cut off their finances by, you know, this sanctioning they've done. I love that you're bringing in that side of it. It's That's something that I hadn't noticed, but you're totally right. I mean, all of the sanctions, sanctions is a, a definitely a Saturnine word because Saturn is all about placing limits. The sanctions are all about financial stuff. People are making statements. There are limits on uh, the way that Russian sports teams are able to communicate their national identity in sporting events. Um, and, and then, all, of course, all of the, the financial stuff, cutting Russia off from the larger world economy, uh, very much mercurial limiting going on. Yeah, and that was that was something that actually just kind of it you know just now stuck out to me. But yeah, that's interesting the way that plays out, and very helpful because you know who who knows where we'd be without that sort of you know at least a start to interference. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, Pisces and Capricorn, especially with um, Jupiter and Neptune and Pisces, it's. It's almost like the conflict between war and peace. Um, not that Capricorn is, you know, highly combat oriented, but Mars and, and Pluto are there and they are definitely combat oriented. And and Capricorn has a, a bit of a competitive thing going on. So, yeah, and there's um, also that element of control. Mm-hmm. <clears throat> So it's almost like, again, that, that Aquarius mediating function. I mean, thank goodness we have the humanitarian side involved in this, right? Yeah. And that, that could also be the role of Venus as well in these peace talks because they, mm-hmm. you know, keep getting pulled back for peace talks that we're hoping will go somewhere sometime soon. Yeah, for sure. But anyway, um, so as far as how we can kind of apply this um, chart to our um, personal lives, um, as I talked about earlier, if you cast this chart that we mentioned um, in the beginning for your local time, you should have the Pisces cluster of planets in your 10th house or in the chart's 10th house, um, Aquarius in the 9th and Capricorn in the 8th. So this is a good um, chart to kind of use for Uh, creative endeavors in the area of career and purpose. So the 10th house having the sun and the moon and Jupiter and Neptune in uh, Pisces kind of brings that element of dreaming and creativity and being really to kind of drop all of the limits and bounds and just really step into that um, creative element. I love that you're bringing in the creative side there. Um, I want to Jupiterianly expand that a little bit. Uh, Something that I've been realizing because I'm going through a a intensely 10th house time and have been for a while is that um, the 10th house isn't always about career. Like you're absolutely right to talk about it in terms of career, but um, 
I have the tendency to um, try to think of the 10th house as exclusively in terms of career. And one of the things that I've been realizing is that um, the association of the 10th house with public reputation is definitely something that I think is underemphasized in the astrology community. Mm-hmm. Um, because my my 10th house transits have been much less about my career and much more about how I appear to people who don't know me very well. Um, and one of the forms of that that's taking that isn't deeply personal at the moment um, is the fact that you and I are taking a class on personal branding. And so, you know, that's a, a career thing if it's a career thing, but like branding is all about 10th house stuff. It's all about how you appear to people who don't know you any very well. So um, if you're not feeling like you want to be doing things that have to do with your career career, another way to think about it might be to start dreaming about a new way of being in the outer world, like thinking, dreaming about your social media accounts, dreaming about um, redesigning your website, um, all of these things where you're interacting with the wider world, like going through some kind of big, you know, family change, like getting married or divorced that changes your relationship with the community based on your, your status. These are all 10th house things as well. Mm-hmm. And without going too much into like uh, community and more like 11th house topics, you also have um, vocation, which can be like even just volunteer work or work you do, you know, for your community. So it absolutely won't quite fall in the eleventh house, and it's still got that very like purpose and vocation oriented tenth house feel. For sure. What do you think of that Mercury Saturn conjunction in the ninth in this house or in this chart? So normally I would be a little concerned about that because that is a placement that I uh, very much associate with writer's block. Um, (laughs) (laughs) In all honesty. Um, But it's a bit more constructive. Uh, So we have a couple of things going on here. We've got the fact that Mercury is in a very strong position because we've got uh, Gemini on the Ascendant, meaning Mercury is the ruler of this chart, and it's within three degrees of the Midheaven. And so that gives it... It's also separating from Saturn by aspect, um, so it's not quite um, under this very, like, yeah, just suffocating, limiting feel that you would normally have from Saturn. Um but Saturn is also in a place where it wants to be, so it might express itself a little more constructively than it usually would. Mm-hmm. It's in its um, domicile in Aquarius, and it's also, um, in this in this case, it's in a day chart, and it's you know, just, just in a generally good place. So seeing that kind of, you know, it might want to loosen its grip a little bit. So it's good for getting writing done, even if you don't necessarily want to do the writing. 
Because I feel like mm-hmm. if you were to do writing during this transit, even if you had to force yourself, it would still just flow. You and I are both, uh, we have a lot of experience with working with Saturn Mercury aspects because we both have difficult Saturn Mercury aspects in our chart. You have an opposition between Mercury and Saturn and I have a quincunx and yet we are both professional writers. And I think that's really interesting. Uh, How how do you feel like that Mercury Saturn aspect plays out in your life and your writing practice? So I think it brings, it, it does a couple of things and sometimes those things aren't always good. But um, <laughs> I was being um, being born during the day and having my natal Saturn in Aquarius. Um, it's not in it, it's in a pretty good position and it is constructive. Um, but it tends to I have Mercury and Leo in the tenth house, and so having I, I think it almost kind of reigns it in. So where Leo mm-hmm. might want to, you know, only do what it wants to do and just, you know, purely expressive writing, just it wants all eyes on the work and it's only going <laughs> to really get things done if it's in its element. I, I feel mm-hmm. like Saturn kind of brings that healthy balance of, no, you need to step back a little bit and, you know, just orient this. Don't, don't forget you're doing this for a living. <laughs> <laughs> absolutely it's interesting because we both have mercury in fire signs you have yours in leo and i have mine in aries and i have found that for me saturn's influence is largely oriented toward keeping me from running my mouth like when i was a kid i was constantly getting in trouble for things that I said, like I did not get in trouble for anything else, only things that came out of my mouth. And so as an adult, it's like, there's this, you know, very stern critic figure who like sits in front of my mouth and is like, who are you going to offend by saying this? (laughs) But also like, I, I feel like it, it definitely brings the discipline in. I don't have a, a strong Saturn like you do. Mine is um, in Scorpio, though it is conjunct the South Node, which in evolutionary astrology gives it a certain kind of strength. Um, but it's, I, I feel like that's, in, in my particular instance, it's kind of a, a good thing because um, my Saturn is kind of policing everybody else and having it be in somewhat less of a position of power means that I ever have any kind of spontaneity whatsoever, (laughs) which I would not have if I had that same aspect system and Saturn was in Capricorn or Aquarius. Yeah. Or heaven forbid Libra. Oh. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, and I do, I do feel that a lot, you know, because it is in a, you know, very strong position. It does often contribute to my writer's block, um, just because while it is generally cooperative, it can be very suffocating. So it's 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 kind of a double edged sword. 
Absolutely. I don't know if you experience it this way, but for me, it's like Saturn is always there telling me the things that I should write and kind of snuffing out the the tender spark of inspiration. Like I'll have an idea for something. I'll be like, I should go off and write that. And then Saturn is like, yes, but you have a very long to-do list of things that you should be writing and you have not written a single one of those things today. Exactly. <laughs> Yeah. So awesome. for me, it's a balancing act. Yeah, balancing very much the, so. Yeah. I, I mean, it, it must be for you because you've got that opposition, which is like literally a balancing act. Mm -hmm. But again, like at least I, I have the advantage of being able to find that common ground between the two where mm -hmm. you said you're working more with the square. So it's like, you don't you don't really have as many options almost oh yeah i mean mine is a quincunx which is even worse but, quincunx. You know, at, at least they're still ruled by mars which I, I have mars in a day chart so that's not really especially good news news but at least you know they they have the same boss even if he is a a toughie mm -hmm. so that's happening in the ninth house in the chart of the moment so um that means that writing, writing disciplines oriented toward publishing or writing about religion, these are, these are all subject areas that you, you might want to think about. I mean, this is a new moon. So things that we start around this time, whether we start them consciously or not, are going to be setting the tone for the next six months or so in the areas of life, um, represented by the chart, especially that Pisces, because that's where the sun and moon are. So um, this is a really excellent time for starting new writing practices or um, any any kind of disciplined communication thing or starting a, a some kind of regular publication schedule committing to something like that. Mm -hmm. Yeah, and especially with it being, yeah, just under under the influence of uh, Saturn, it's not going to be exceptionally great unless you're able to like find a way to kind of bring in those more um, Piscean energies um, for creative writing so much. Um, mm -hmm. And also the reason I would not really suggest this for, you know, divination or anything like that, which I would normally suggest for like big ninth house focuses Um mm -hmm. Unless, of course, you're doing divination for business, you know, like maybe you have like a tarot spread you want to do for a new project you're working on or career or um, just something very constructive. Mm -hmm. uh, you might find a home for it there if you want to bring divination into it. Especially um, with uh, Saturn there and, and Jupiter in the 10th. Yeah. And the sun in the 10th as well. Both, both of them have connections with divination. Mm-hmm. And so I think that's where you can find a way to kind of marry the two and get them get them to work together a little better. Definitely. What do you think people should do with the Pluto, Mars, Venus, Stellium, and Capricorn in the eighth house? I looked at that today, and all I could think was, "God, that's a hot mess." I'm <laughs> like. <laughs> I've, as as someone with like lots of Capricorn placements, 
Mars has been sitting top of my moon, my natal mm-hmm. Uranus and Neptune, and it's on top of my, um, yeah, like I've just, I've got those planets going on down there. <laughs> Everything. How has that experience been for you? Like, what has it been like? Uh, it's been incredibly overwhelming. Like, I thought it was just going to be like, this is generally, um, I didn't expect it to be like a good transit because I I started kind of looking at what other people were experiencing uh, by transit early on. Mm. And there were so many complaints about like just the tension, the stress, the, you know, a lot of those very Mars oriented topics, Um, especially being kind of in an earth sign where it's just like you're, going to be dealing with this for a while because it just it earth feels like very slow moving energy and when you have like a super intense planet like mars and pluto there it's like you've got this prolonged feeling of very slow moving intensity which is a terrible thing to deal with um especially since you know stress has bad long-term effects on, you know, even physical things, the body. Mm-hmm. Um, but for me, interestingly, and I think, I think my saving grace was that, you know, that conjunction with the moon is I did get very emotionally wrapped up into it, but it expressed itself more as drive. Um, there was lots of tension and stress there, but it was almost, it was a good kind of stress. It was that driving kind of stress. Like I've got all this, stuff to do and I was very productive early on until I got hit with COVID (laughs) um but yeah until I hit that wall like it was it was a very that was probably the most productive time I've had in like months (laughs) so it it can kind of go either way either the stress is going to like really drive you and push you forward and you're going to feel like really energized and excited about things or the stress is just going to be so overwhelming that you're not quite sure what to do with it. Yeah. I I think that's definitely a a challenge with Mars together with Pluto and Capricorn. The only planet I have in Capricorn is Neptune at two degrees and the way that um, Mars, Pluto, Venus being co-present with that has just been like, a slow motion panic attack where I feel like I can't see what's going on with like that Neptune fog. Mm-hmm. Like it, it's felt like driving on one of those like crazy California roads through like Big Sur or something where like you're driving along this ocean cliff and there's no guardrail. And if you fall off of it, it's like a hundred feet down into the water where sharks are swimming and like you can't see because it's foggy and your oh brights are stuck on. Yeah, yeah, I can see that. And yeah, you 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 had said you had recently taken a vacation to California, so I don't I don't know if you did driving in any of those kinds of areas, but a little bit. It it was definitely not foggy when I was driving in those areas, though. But it it definitely. It, it it definitely put that imagery very close to mind. Thank goodness the, the um, vacation itself was very relaxing, though. Yeah. 
Um, but as far as where those planets are situated, uh, we've got them here in the eighth house, which um, is on one hand a good thing if you're using this for elections and things that you generally want to get done um, because the, you know, Mars and Pluto that are typically a bit more difficult to deal with are kind of hidden in the eighth house, even mm-hmm. though we're bearing Venus there too. So we can't really do anything with Venus. Um, but basically that's just pretty much anything like contractual, especially if it's like work related and you want it to be constructive is probably not going to go over very well here. <laughs> um, Shared finances. This might not be the the best time to do your taxes since taxes rule the eighth house. Oh my God. Yeah. No taxes. No taxes, <laughs> please. <laughs> uh, yeah. No, maybe wait taxes. until Mars and Venus go into, ca- go into Aquarius. Is that going to happen before April 15th? Not that I want to encourage people Uh, to procrastinate on their taxes, but... Yeah, we actually have them moving into Aquarius in... At some time, kind of middle-ish of March, right? Oh, so that's not too bad. Yeah. So they'll be be free soon. (laughs) Thank goodness. I think... um, Oh, my goodness. Where did I hear it? I feel feel like it may have been in the... um, the March forecast for the astrology podcast where either Austin or someone, someone I was listening to on a podcast recently, I'm just going to go ahead and say the astrology podcast. That's the first (laughs) thing that comes to mind. And Austin is very good at painting this nice imagery. (laughs) He Um, really is. But somebody was talking about uh, Mars and Venus kind of breaking free of Capricorn and moving into Aquarius. Um, And, it's almost like you have to kind of put them on a leash because they're, t- they're these two little rambunctious children like looking to just kind of cause chaos as they're <laughs> moving out of this madness. <laughs> so. um, it almost reminds me of like the hippies, you know, like we had this like really straight laced under control, like a cold war, terrifying post-World War II 1950s, and then the 60s come, and it's like, this is the dawning of the age of Aquarius. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. It's like Mars and Venus go to Woodstock. Yes. Yeah, so Which, we've got you know, them. if you have the time for that, isn't necessarily a bad thing. Yeah. <laughs> but having them move into this kind of more, you know, air-oriented sign is going to let us kind of work with them a little bit more, but also yeah. not really because Mars. Um, and Mars is just, you really have to find a good place for that to find what you want to do with it because... Um, and and I might I might also just be someone that finds Mars to be a challenging thing in general because of where it is in my chart. Opposite. Pluto. I also find it challenging. <laughs> I think you win for sure, Mars opposite Pluto. But at the same time, you also have like experience working with Mars Pluto aspects. So that's like, true. We we should all be sitting at your feet, getting your instructions on how to deal with this lunation, really. <laughs> 
Yeah, so that's, um, yeah, just like, I mean, this chart is a perfect example, just that they're invariant in either the eighth or the sixth house, and hope it works out. (laughs) (laughs) Um, But yeah, as far as using this um, constructively, Mars and Pluto also bring um, a kind of drive and courage that we might not normally have. So if we're thinking in terms of the eighth house um, and being about things that are kind of below the surface and we're associating that with things like trauma or things we don't want to talk about or things we've been keeping secret and not, you know, really wanting to share or bring to the surface, um, it might be a good time to use Mars and Pluto in a way, especially with Venus there, um, to kind of bring things that we've been struggling to work with to the surface and kind of base those head on. I love that read of the eighth house. That is just perfect. Thank you. Um, because I cannot think of anything else to do with it. <laughs> <laughs> that sextile between Pisces and Capricorn, you know, constructive dreaming. That's another potential way to, to work with it. Like, um, you know, it's, it's tricky being in the eighth and the 10th houses. Um, but you know, how can we pull our resources to manifest the dream that we have as humanity. That may be the most cosmic thing I've said all day, (laughs) but I mean, we can kind of see it playing out in the world. Like, you know, yeah. Humanity is pulling its resources to buy guns, Pluto and and Mars, but there's, there's definitely this, um, kind of stone soup thing going on like it's horrible you know we're at war i mean not not literally yet in the united states at least and and hopefully things will be diffused before more people get pulled into the conflict but um there there is still this sense in which humanity is coming together as a whole to say you know this is the future that we want to live in Aquarius and how can we constructively um, come together to manifest that dream Pisces and Capricorn I think that if you want to work with this um, this lunation in your own chart um, looking at the house that has Capricorn and thinking about um constructive ways in that area of your life where you might support the dreams that you have for the Pisces house um, in your area of your chart. So um, for me that, and I'm kind of thinking aloud here, um, I've got Capricorn in the sixth whole sign house and I've got Pisces in the eighth whole sign house. So um, that's going to be about um, building routines and building health to support me in you know, my share of um, the shared resources in my family. So um, starting new things that um, build up my career 
um, my my 10th house isn't involved, but you know, there still is the 10th house involvement in the chart of the moment. Um, and the sixth house is a career house as well. Um, but kind of building career routines and daily routines that um, allow me to be a, a more um, financially contributing member in my primary relationship. How are you using this? Um, so for me, I am kind of trying to rein Neptune in a little bit, honestly, because um, with all the transitions I've made uh, recently, mm. I do very much feel like I'm kind of floating in that dreamlike state, and it's, um, I mean, it's a, it's very neutral. Like I'm, I'm kind of excited about what's going on, but at the same time, it's kind of overwhelming because I have absolutely no idea where things are going and so we kind of mm -hmm. bring that fogginess back into things and so while I have kind of free reign uh, creatively it's just as someone with a lot of earth in their chart going in a direction where you can't see things or really plan ahead is not very much not the norm <laughs> um my Taurus son knows exactly what you mean. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, and so I'm, I'm kind of using it, one, to um, use dreaming as a way to kind of uh, gain some clarity on things um, so that maybe um, the answer doesn't lie so much in trying to look at what's going on in the outer world as much as it is trying to listen more to what your subconscious is telling you. Um, especially mm. with Neptune and Jupiter there. Um, mm. I think it is honestly kind of a more intangible uh, thing that I'm just not going to be able to plan for. So I just really have to like really intuit things. Um, so a lot of that, but I will also be doing lots of writing. <laughs> not just because I am behind on work. <laughs> We, we're both behind on work and we both need to be doing a lot of writing. Yes. I basically spent the entire day writing a to-do list and now I'm looking at the to-do list and talk about overwhelm. Oh my goodness. No. Yeah. So you raise a really good point, okay. I think, about intuition. Um, both Pisces and Capricorn are um, introverted signs. They're more inwardly oriented. The inner world is the real world for these signs. And even though uh, there is so much going on in the Northern Hemisphere in this chart, which normally means that um, there's a lot of support for making changes that are visible in the outer world, this is still a Pisces lunation. And Pisces is fundamentally about consciousness. So mm -hmm. um, this is a really good lunation for looking at your dreams or your nightmares if your dreams are anything like mine lately and like yeah yeah building the structures internally maybe less than you know well and what you mentioned earlier um <clears throat> we're both going through that uh, branding course, uh, Branding and Magic by uh, Chris Ann, if you're familiar with the Lightseer's Tarot. Um, she's doing this amazing workshop that is very creative and kind of dreamy and 
it's very much about kind of getting your internal ideas and feelings about things into a more visual form. Um, so I think that's also a really kind of fitting way to work with the lunation. It's just what we're doing with that course right now. Yeah, absolutely. If you've never made a dream board before, this is the lunation to make a dream board, like mm -hmm. seriously. Yeah, and I think it actually really constructively ties in all of the elements in this lunation because we have that mercurial side of things where you are, um, well, both Mercury and Saturn, where you're finding a way to communicate that with other people in the form of branding. Um, mm -hmm. And it is kind of more business oriented, which brings in Saturn. And then we've got that kind of Capricorn focus that we are really kind of having to dig pretty deep for, you know, ideas and all the thoughts that we've just kind of set to the side and not really revisited. Um, mm -hmm. So, yeah, it, it's really bringing in everything in those three signs together quite well. Gold star for us, then. <laughs> <laughs> so... Unless you feel like there's more you want to say about this lunation, I, I feel like you just wrapped it up incredibly well. Um, do you have anything that you have going on that you want people to know about? Um, well, before I say that, I would say the last thing I do want to say about this chart um, is if you are using this for elections, um, one thing we didn't talk about was, yes, new moons are wonderful for planning, um, and everything going on in the ninth house being great for publishing. New moons are also not a time to really initiate things because the moon is dark and things aren't going anywhere. And it's very much our own internal personal work. So if you are using this as an electional chart, um, you just kind of want to make sure the sun and moon are separating, which it's literally just bumping this chart forward about 10 to 15 minutes so that right. the moon is no longer completely dark. And that's all it is. So if you want to use it for planning, keep it as is. If you want to use it for initiating anything and like outreach or anything like that, just bump it forward about 10, 15 minutes because that does make all the difference in the world. <laughs> Actually. <laughs> Um, so yeah, don't, don't jump the gun in other words. Exactly. <laughs> it's something that I've been learning a lot recently. Don't decide what a transit is about until the thing has actually happened. Yes. <laughs> Especially where <laughs> Neptune is involved. <laughs> oh my goodness. Yes. <laughs> um, but yeah, as far as stuff that I have going on, I am very slowly opening my readings again. Um, I have not wanted to commit to any because I've been dealing with lots of craziness, but I actually have time opening up my schedule again soon. So I will have time on my calendar again. <laughs> That's fantastic. And um, I my my thing to announce is also that I am open for readings. My calendar is actually disturbingly clear right now. So if you're listening to this podcast and um, you would like a reading from me, um, you can use the discount code 
50% and like spell out 50% to get a 50% off discount on readings from me. So I'm booking two weeks in advance, um, but you can use that discount code um, anytime in the next month or so for whenever you want to book a reading. Alrighty, and I think that's everything for me. Awesome, me too. And um, for the people who are listening listening to this, I hope that you have wonderful dreams. Thank you all so much for tuning in. Bye. Mm-hmm.